This episode of CBS Mornings on the Go will begin right after this. This episode is brought to you in part by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like The Guest List by Lucy Foley. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. Do you ever wonder where all your money went? Like every single time you look at your bank account? Honestly, it's probably all those subscriptions. I felt that way too, until I got Rocket Money. Rocket Money helped me see all the subscriptions I'm paying for, and it was eye-opening. Between streaming services, fitness apps, delivery services, it all adds up so quickly. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. That's rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. Welcome, welcome to CBS Mornings on this Thursday. I'm Gail King. I'm Tony DeCopo. And I'm Nate Burles. We're all here. We're going to begin, unfortunately, with nasty weather. Nasty weather, never good throughout the country, including snow in the north, tornadoes in the south. It is a mess. In New Orleans, one of those tornadoes caused extensive damage. At least three people were killed by storms across all of Louisiana, and a big cleanup is underway. Alyssa Curtis from our New Orleans affiliate, that's WWL, is in Marrero, Louisiana, with more on the story. Alyssa, good morning. Good morning. Louisiana remains under a state of emergency following the dangerous, severe weather. We're here at a Winn-Dixie in Jefferson Parish where the roof was blown off. This is just a small portion of the damage that those tornadoes caused. I've never been inside of a tornado before. I'm looking at wood buildings all in the same spin. Like it's spinning with me and then it gets slung me out. Looking at what's left of Michael Willis's car, it's no wonder why he says he's lucky to be alive after being swept up in the path of a powerful tornado outside New Orleans on Wednesday. I don't know what to do. Yep, that's a tornado heading our way. The string of twisters in and around the city ripped trees from their roots, tore down power lines, and left these homes in tatters, including Mary Kenny's. I said, I don't care. There's a tornado. We got to go. Everything was gone, and everything was falling on us. We just held on to each other and prayed. Just, we just prayed. Kenny says she at least got some warning a tornado was coming. For others, it came in the middle of the night. In northern Louisiana, a tornado swept away a mobile home, killing a mother and her eight-year-old son in the community of Keithville on Tuesday. For the family that, that lost those two um, family members, that, that is awfully tough. 
Further east, a tornado leveled entire neighborhoods in the town of Farmerville on Tuesday. The McMichaels spent the day picking through what was left of their home. It's overwhelming. I don't, I don't know where to start. The tornado system is part of the same line of powerful snowstorms that have caused whiteout conditions up north. In Minnesota, dozens of accidents were reported across interstates while a blizzard dumped a pile of snow on streets and power lines, leading to thousands of outages. Just stay ahead of the snow because we're, I think, supposed to be getting a lot more of it. It's about two steps forward, one step back with it still coming down. Back here in Louisiana, state officials said there were at least 21 tornadoes in 24 hours. Nate? <laughs> Alyssa Curtis from WWL, thank you. For the fourth straight day, severe weather will threaten the south. Meteorologist Stephanie Abrams from our partners at the Weather Channel is tracking the system. Stephanie, good morning. Nate, unfortunately, we have the threat for severe weather yet again today. Our Torcon values are 3 out of 10. The higher the number, the higher the threat. We could still see that possibility of tornadoes, strong thunderstorms in Florida, up into the Carolinas. And it actually takes the entire day for this rain to get through Florida. Jacksonville, Orlando will be around lunchtime we get it. And then it gets all the way down into South Florida and it starts to wash out. This is the southern end of the system. Let's talk about the northern end of the system because we could see the threat for some icing. We're talking freezing rain on the roads. This could certainly cause some issues if you're doing any driving into Pennsylvania, also into portions of West Virginia. It then gets layered over with some snow. That is going to be through the interior while it's rain for places like Boston, New York, down into the D.C. area. And it's going to be a lot of snow piling up anywhere from one feet to possibly two feet. This is the biggest, hugest snowstorm that we have seen here in quite a while in the Northeast. For the latest coverage, you can watch a weather channel on cable or live on your favorite TV streaming devices. And Nate, on Sunday, the whole system finally starts to wind down. Well, that's good news. Stephanie Abrams, thank you. Now to the latest from El Paso, Texas, where there's been a sudden jump in the number of migrants seeking asylum, and it's putting a strain on that city's resources. More than 2,000 people a day are arriving at the border there asking to be processed, and local leaders are saying that that number is just unsustainable. Why are they coming? Well, Lilia Luciano spoke with some of those crossing the border. After an 18-day trek spanning more than 2,200 miles, you can see the transformation in Ingrid Lopez's expression as she takes account of what her family has survived on the way here. And the sacrifices she and her husband, Wilston, have made without work and fleeing political persecution to offer their 13-year-old Emily a safe life. After crossing several borders, they boarded a bus in Mexico with about 40 others. But instead of the freedom to the north, they say the drivers delivered them and hundreds of others into the hands of armed kidnappers. The fear piled on, locked in a warehouse for days with more threats than food, praying to survive. Starving, they say the group managed to escape by breaking down the doors and running to a neighboring town for help. Then her smile fades, remembering a reality as cold as the crowded floors they slept on at the immigration processing center. You felt that the experience having been kidnapped by these criminal organizations in Mexico felt the same as when you finally crossed and were detained. 
They were finally released and came to this shelter as they make their way to Baltimore to await their asylum hearing. But with local shelters at capacity, others wait for those next steps in the freezing cold. So what we're doing city manager Tommy Gonzalez says the city has already spent 9.5 million and needs millions more from the federal government to shelter, direct, and where needed, transport migrants arriving here. All hands need to be on deck. Let's keep the migrants' needs in, in mind. They're not a project, they're people. The city of El Paso just learned that they will receive $6 million from FEMA for costs related to manage the crisis. And local officials tell me they also hope that the federal government will open Fort Bliss, something that's done before, as a shelter. As you can see, that is already needed and will be desperately so in a week if Title 42 expires. Nate, the cold is bone chilling right now. Wow. Yeah, the shelter is much needed, that's for sure. Lilia, thank you. We told you yesterday that inflation is slowing down, but regulators say rising prices will be an issue for months to come. Federal Reserve's chairman, Jerome Powell, made that clear yesterday as the central bank raised interest rates for the seventh time this year. Tens of millions of Americans could be affected. The Fed's benchmark rate is now in the range from four and a, four and a quarter to four and a half percent. That's the highest in 15 years. The Fed indicated there will be more rate hikes in 2023 to slow down the economy and reduce inflation. It's also likely to drive up unemployment rate by nearly 1% over the next year, and that's according to the Fed. Well, we are learning new details about the man accused of attacking Speaker Nancy Pelosi's husband, Paul, with a hammer. Police say that David DePap has admitted that he had other targets as well, including an Oscar-winning movie star. Paul Pelosi suffered a skull fracture in that attack. Scott McFarland has more on all of this. Scott, good morning. This was very scary to hear the more details that we heard yesterday. Yeah, Gail, authorities made a series of revelations about this case, including a police investigator who testified Wednesday that David DePap told them there's evil in Washington, that he was targeting Nancy Pelosi, and that he had plans to hold her hostage. DePap allegedly said he later planned to kidnap President Biden's son, Hunter, in California and target the state's governor, Gavin Newsom, and movie star Tom Hanks. We also learned new details from first responders that when they allegedly arrived on the scene, officers witnessed Pelosi and DePap wrestling over that hammer DePap allegedly used to break into the house. Before they could intervene, Pelosi was struck in the head and knocked unconscious. And while the court proceeding was underway, 82-year-old Paul Pelosi was here in Washington with the House Speaker for the ceremonial unveiling of her portrait. He told CBS News his recovery is coming along, but is a slow process. DePap has pleaded not guilty to state and federal charges, including threats against a federal official and attempted murder. He's back in court in two weeks in local court for arraignment. Tony? All right, Scott, got it. Thank you very much. Russia has released an American citizen in a mass prisoner swap in Ukraine. The prisoner was a U.S. Air Force veteran who was living in the country of Ukraine and detained by pro-Russian forces several months ago. MTS Tayab is in Ukraine with the latest on this extraordinary release. A show of defiance as 64 Ukrainian soldiers were released in a prisoner swap with Russia. Among them, Suwedi Murakese. Uh, my name is Suwedi Murakese, and uh, I am well. The American Air Force veteran who's lived in the southern Ukrainian city of Kherson since 2018. It was occupied by Russian forces at the start of the war, and he was taken into custody in early June before the city's liberation last month. 
Morakesi was reportedly accused by Moscow of taking part in pro-Ukrainian protests and was held in a cell with Americans and fellow veterans Alex Druki and Andy Wen before their release in September. There's been a sharp increase in prisoner exchanges between Russia and Ukraine in recent months, even as the Kremlin continues to target Ukrainian towns and cities, including the capital, Kyiv, where residents were showered with fragments of Iranian-made drones. All 13 of the explosive-laden Shahid 136s were shot out of the sky by Ukrainian air defenses. Alexei Danilov is the head of Ukraine's Security Council. Russia has been using Iranian-made drones to target sites here. The Russians are unable to defeat us on their own, he says. I would advise Iran to take that into account, because if they also start supplying Russia with missiles to attack us, they would be crossing a line. A line Tehran appears willing to cross as Russia continues to exhaust its missile supplies. But with the Biden administration poised to announce it will provide Ukraine with Patriot air defense systems, well, that could be the game changer in this grinding war. Nate. MTS Tayyab in Ukraine, thank you. Here in the U.S., the Senate has voted unanimously to ban TikTok on government devices amid fears the China-owned app could be used to spy on Americans. Republican Josh Howley of Missouri introduced the bill after the FBI expressed concern the social media platform could be a major security risk to this country. There are worries the app could be used and subject to Chinese laws that force companies to share data with the Chinese government. The bill now heads to the House. TikTok has repeatedly denied those claims and says the bill does nothing to advance U.S. national security. Hollywood is mourning the shocking loss, and shocking is the word here, of dancer and entertainer Stephen Twitch Boss. He was best known for his involvement with the shows Ellen and So You Think You Could Dance. He was very popular on both of those. The LAPD says Boss died by suicide on Tuesday. He was only 40 years old. Errol Barnett takes a look back on the life of a man known for his ever-present smile and seemingly boundless energy. I I love your dance moves. Oh, thank you. I love your dance moves, too. A pillar of positivity and motivation. Stephen Boss earned the nickname Twitch as a child because he never seemed to stop moving. A multi-talented and charismatic dancer, Boss was best known as the DJ and occasional host on Ellen DeGeneres' talk show. After performing in several seasons of So You Think You Can Dance, Boss earned himself a guest DJ spot on Ellen back in 2013 before making the show his permanent home, providing the soundtrack and trademark energy for the show. In 2020, he was named co-executive producer. There is shock across Hollywood over Boss's death. Entertainment Tonight co-host Kevin Frazier. He was a positive, shining ray of light. Former First Lady Michelle Obama wrote on Instagram, quote, Stephen was an incredible force, someone who radiated kindness and positivity. And from Questlove, I have no words. May his family find resolution in this dark time. Sometimes the images seen by the public don't match the reality at home, according to Dr. Laura Erickson Schroth. A lot of times people are really struggling with things under the surface that, that other people, you know, don't know that they're struggling with. That's a cute little son of a twitch, I'll Thank tell you, you that. So much. <laughs>
Boss was the father of three. He met his wife, Alison Holker, on So You Think You Can Dance. They kept dancing together on social media. The couple had just celebrated their ninth anniversary over the weekend. And last month, they spoke about wanting to grow their family. I think we'd love to start trying for another one. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In a statement to Entertainment Tonight, Holker called Boss the backbone of our family, the best husband and father. On Instagram, Ellen DeGeneres said she was heartbroken. In May, the day before her show went off the air, DeGeneres paid tribute to her friend and DJ. Something that I'll always remember is that you gave me a place where I can just be myself, you know what I mean? I love you so much. We love you so much. You're a fake DJ, but you're a real good man. <laughs> A real good man is what many people are saying. I, I can't say that I know him well. I met him a couple of times, and it's true when they say a pillar of positivity. It's just, this is what so scares me, guys, is that you just, it's such a painful reminder that you never, ever know what people are going through. Just last week, there were videos of them putting up the tree with their yeah. three children. They yeah. celebrated their ninth anniversary, talking about their love for each other. And two days ago, released a dance video. I, I, I don't even know shocking. what to say yeah. about this. It is shocking. Yeah, we always it's say very upsetting. you or someone you know needs help. Yeah. But in a case like this, it seems like no one knows, knows. that there's need. Yes. And that's what scares me, Tony. He's a streak of merriment. That's Everybody what scares me. How do you know when someone needs help? That's why you have to they check on you your have strong to ask. That's exactly our next point here. Yeah. If you or someone you know needs help, please call our please call or text the Suicide and Crisis Lifeline. The number there is 988. Again, that number is 988. Do you ever feel like there's nothing new in the news? You know there are urgent things happening in the world around you, but all you hear is noise. That's why we made What Next? Our goal is to tell you the stories you haven't heard before, or maybe a different side to the story you thought you already knew all about. I'm Mary Harris, the host of What Next? And I love my job because it helps me cut through the noise of the news. And then I get to bring it to you. Together, we can figure out what next. Hey, it's Matt Norlander with the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball podcast, and it is tournament time, people. So listen to the one podcast that will cover every upset, Cinderella, Bracket Buster Sleeper. We've got it all covered, every round, reaction shows, all the way up through the championship game in Glendale, Arizona. To find us, search Eye on College Basketball podcast wherever you get your podcasts.